We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. That guy over there frowning is Ryan Roberts. I'm Brian Driscoll. I think he is stuck again, frozen again. So looks like our issues, uh, technical issues, are going to continue with Mr. Roberts. So uh, we are going to today have a, a fun conversation, if we can ever get Ryan here uh, rocking and rolling, about just kind of where Notre Dame is and what I wanted to do as a program and where it needs to get to. And what I want to do is, you know, last week we talked about sort of where Notre Dame is a program. And I stated my case, and I did so in, a, in an article at Irish Breakdown that kind of went into a little bit more detail about why I think right now, if you're looking at, at where programs are, which to me, where you are involves kind of where you're coming from. You know, so recent success, last five years, you look at recruiting, you look at where you're going, you look at the health of your program, recruiting, all those type of things. And when you look at Notre Dame and, and you look at their top 10 nationally in the last five years in producing draft picks, they're top, I think, tied for ninth there. They're tied for ninth in, in recruiting rankings. They're fifth in wins the last five years. Uh, there's a group of – you've got Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, I believe, are the three programs that have made three playoff appearances. Notre Dame is tied next uh, with two. And, and, uh, so they're, they're number five, but I think we can also all, you know, Oh, the other thing that, that I pointed out on the message board that in the last two years, that there have only been two programs that have, have ranked in the top five in the blue chip ratio that on three does from their consensus ranking. So it looks at everybody's ranking and that is Alabama, Ohio state, and Notre Dame. So I think Notre Dame enters the 2023 season in a good place. And I think right now, uh, even though some folks, um, are looking at some negative aspects of things. I get that. It's just the nature of, of, of this business and, and how some odd things kind of happened uh, over the last, you know, couple months when it comes to coaching decisions. But I think when we look at Notre Dame, I think I still view Notre Dame as a really good place and in a really good place. Now they've got to build on wh- where they've been and, and build on, on what they've done recently. And we've got to learn a lot about the coaching and there's some things we don't know yet, 
But of the things that we do know, I think it's safe to say that Notre Dame is a top five program. I, I have a hard time buying arguments otherwise. The question, however, now turns to, okay, but what do they need to do to get into that top two? And and not so much, you know, I don't really care about how they're viewed and all that, but more of a, what do they need to do to get to that place where they can be a team that can go out there and compete for a championship and win a championship? And I think that's where we can admit that Notre Dame is top five, but also say that there's some separation between the top two to three and Notre Dame. There's not as much separation. I had Clemson four because, again, if we're looking at the last five years, Clemson has got some big wins over Notre Dame. Notre Dame has some big wins over Clemson, but Clemson has a championship in the last five years. Notre Dame doesn't. Clemson has three playoff appearances. Notre Dame has two. So Notre Dame is to me, certainly gone a long way towards closing the gap on Clemson. And if they can beat Clemson this year, then I think that vaults Notre Dame up a spot. And because when we have that, you know, five-year window next year, and we're looking at five years, the 2018 championship from Clemson is no longer part of that conversation. So I think when you look at Clemson, I think Notre Dame is right on Clemson's tail. And they're getting up there. And, and for anyone that wants to argue that recruiting classes are what we're going to do here, that ain't it. Okay. Uh, because Ohio state consistently out recruits Clemson and Clemson has more championships in the last 10 years than Ohio state does. So that ain't it. It's about where you are talent wise and star rankings don't always determine that as we have proven over and over and over again, it's about the health of your actual players, not what it says on paper. Notre Dame is not there yet when it comes to the top three programs. They're not there yet from on-field success. They're not there yet from an institution being committed to the sport. Those are the areas where they need to get to. But today, we're going to kind of focus more on the roster. And the reason we're going to focus on the roster is because we could kind of debate all day about the coaching staff and where the coaching staff is. But at the at the reality is, whether you are uh, happy with where this coaching staff is or whether you're not happy with where this coaching staff is, the fact of the matter is we don't know what this coaching staff is going to look like. There may be some coaches that we all really like that don't do a good job this year. There may be some coaches that some people have some concerns about or questions about, about that by this time a year ago, you're going to love. I mean, if you really think about it, let's be honest about something. When we were sitting here having a conversation about Notre Dame and, you know, the coaching staff. There was a lot of people in this chat a year ago that were questioning Mike Mickens. Nobody's questioning Mike Mickens anymore. There are a lot of people a year ago, including myself, who said, sure, I, I like some of the things we've seen from Chancey Stuckey, but he's an unknown. He's been a coach for one year. We don't know what kind of job he's going to do. And it turns out he did a really good job. Most people in this chat had no clue who Brian Mason was a year ago. So with the coaching staff, I kind of want to see where they go. That's what I want to see. And, and I think so that's, that's kind of a debate for another day. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What we're going to kind of talk about today is we're going to go through the roster and we're going to kind of break down what a championship roster actually looks like, not in the heads of people that think you need to be A, B, C, and D, and which is not realistic, but really kind of get into what a championship roster looks like and then where Notre Dame is in that regard. So we'll, we'll kind of have a broken into three categories because here's what makes up, here's what makes up a football team. And the more you have in one category over another, the better you're going to be. Category number one, and it's it's really about position groups, not necessarily individual players, uh, except obviously like a quarterback is an individual player. But it's number one, are you a unit that drives a championship? When you look at Georgia 2021, the defensive line as a unit was a driver to their championship. When you look at uh, LSU 2018, their wide receivers and their quarterback were drivers to a championship. Then the second group is what groups are may not be drivers, but are really key ingredients to a championship. So you may look at it and say, you know, that's not an elite group, but it's a good group. And it's a group that can help you go win and help you uh, be successful, even if it's not a, a, um, uh, group that's necessary necessarily a unit that is a driver so an example as i mentioned uh, we talked about georgia one thing that i would argue is that georgia's receiving core last year wide receivers were not a championship driver but they were a key part of a championship team if you take out other parts that's not a unit that could put the team on its shoulders over the course of an entire season and say hey we're going to lead you to a championship the way that lsu's receivers could in 2019 but it's still a group that they made clutch plays different guys stepped up at different times it was a really good group even though it may not have any elite players or being elite group and then the third part is you're not there yet it may you may have the talent but the talent hasn't produced yet you may not have the talent even though the production's good, but when you get on the big stage, the talent's not good enough. I think that's been quarterback for Notre Dame in the past years. Is they they are good enough to kind of go twelve and zero against an okay schedule, but not good enough to then go win you games when you get into the postseason. And what you'll find is if you if you do an honest assessment of where championship teams have been in recent years, you're going to find that there is no team that has championship drivers at all positions. And I would argue. There hasn't been a champion in the last decade that has more championship drivers than than not 
at different positions. The key is how many groups can you have in the top two categories and how many can you get out of the top, the bottom three? So when you look at Georgia, for an example, Ryan and I were doing a thought experiment we'll dive into, and, and, and it's the same for Alabama, the same for Ohio State. And that is which position groups right now are championship drivers. And a case could be made that Notre Dame heading into 23 and in some regards, 22, I don't, I don't think 22 is a great example because of all the injuries and some other things. But in 2023, that Notre Dame has as many, if not maybe one more championship unit, like championship drivers than what Georgia had last year. Here's the difference. Notre Dame also has a lot more units that are, not there yet. Where if you look at Georgia last year, there were there were to me, Ryan. This is the point that you and I had. O line, D line, and tight end were the championship drivers for Georgia last year. We don't view Stetson Bennett as a championship driver, meaning if you put him on a lesser team, he's not putting that team on his shoulders and taking them to the playoff the way that I think Trevor Lawrence did in 2020 with Clemson. Sure. And and so I, I think when you when you look at it, it's kind of that or the way that the Georgia defensive line did in 2021. Very good player, very key, very important part. They didn't win a championship in spite of Stetson Bennett. They also didn't necessarily win it because of Stetson Bennett, the way that LSU did with jo- Joe Burrow in 2019 and, and Mac Jones in 2020, for example, who could really put a team on the shoulders in different ways. But what LSU did not have last year is a single position group that was a not there yet unit, not one. And and that's really where Notre Dame needs to get to. And then also you have to look at it, right, is you need some really important positions to be in those top two groups. The problem for Notre Dame is in a lot of years, quarterback is in the not good enough category, right. not in the you know key piece or championship driver and then there's some other positions like that. So we're going to kind of go through and, and rank all the positions and talk about where they are now and what does Notre Dame need to do to get those positions where they need to be. And that's going to be the discussion today, Ryan. And I think that the the the, the thing that's going to be hard for some people to grasp is right now there are positions at Notre Dame that are championship worthy just like Georgia has. The difference is, is that Georgia is not this juggernaut that has just elite everywhere. They're good everywhere and great at a few places, including coaching. And that's the unknown. And Ryan, I mentioned when uh, you were, were, were off that we're not going to focus on coaching right now because there's just so many unknowns with coaching. Sure. Yep. But from a roster standpoint, I think what we're going to find out here is that Notre Dame is closer than people think, but they're not there yet. And and some things need to happen between now and the season if they're going to get to that point. Well, I also think too, Brian, like these positions that we're talking about that are, you know, champ championship level as of right now, as far as driving a team, what positions are they? Is also an interesting conversation, right? Like you mentioned, Georgia, yeah, they might not be championship level, they might not be championship drivers at every single position, but the two that we mentioned were offensive line and defensive line, and we know historically speaking, like. If you're built through the offensive and the defensive line and you're elite in those areas, or at least very, very good, great level, that you're going to win a lot of football games, right? So I think that it's also important as we're kind of discussing this, not only the Notre Dame side, but when we dig into the Alabamas, into the Ohio States, into the Georgias, it's also what positions are the drivers, right? Like that matters a lot more. Like if you're not, if you don't have championship drivers at offensive line or defensive line, you're really good at linebacker and let's say 
running back, for instance, are you going to win a championship consistently with that formula? I would say probably not unless you're just very good at other key areas. So I think that it's also interesting just to see where their championship driving is happening at, because I really do think that, I mean, we talk about positional value all the time, right? Like offensive line quarterbacks and then guys that affect the passers. Like those are kind of the key parts. Right. And I think that if you hit all those parts and you're at least solid in every other area, you're going to be a really good football team, man. So, I mean, that's just kind of what I'm looking at. And I'm just interested in digging not only Notre Dame, but the other teams is just, where are the championship drivers at on their rosters? I think that also does matter when we kind of formulate how important those positions are. When you and I were looking back at the 2021 team, Ryan, or the 2022 team, you know, the conversation we had is, well, let's think about where Notre Dame was in 2021. Where were they in regard to championship drivers? And there was really only one position that we could look at and say, for the course of an entire season, that was a championship driver. And that's tight end. Running back was at times. O-line was at times. Cornerback was for a brief about three, four game stretch when Cam finally got going and Benjamin was really taken off and then Cam gets hurt. Because you also had Tariq Bracey who was playing very well. He got hurt. You know, you didn't have two of those three guys against USC. So it wasn't a driver because your depth isn't where, you know, a team like Georgia could lose. Uh, was it, uh, it was Tyson Campbell. And then what was uh, the other Eric corners? Stokes. Eric Stokes. And still be putting pretty good players on the field and still beat Notre Dame with both of their starting corners being out by the end of the first quarter, right? Stokes didn't play at all. Campbell got hurt. No, it was it was one of those two. Campbell didn't play, and then Stokes got hurt on like the first or second drive or the other way around. I, I, it's been four years now, so I kind of forgot which way it what went. And and that's where Notre Dame is is not where they need to be. For example, I, I could argue and sit here and say nobody could prove me wrong because it's an unknown. Well, if Tyler Buckner wouldn't have got hurt, his talent would have taken over and they wouldn't have lost to Stanford. And I think that did blah, 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 blah. Sure. And if Cam Hart and Tariq Bracey don't get hurt against USC, I think Notre Dame beat you. I can make all the excuses in the world, but the reality is those guys did get hurt and the depth chart wasn't good enough to overcome those like the 2015 depth chart was where the 2015 team could still be really good losing their starting quarterback because you weren't replacing your starter with Drew Pine. You were replacing your starter with Deshaun Kaiser. Your starting tight end gets hurt, Durham Smythe, and you're replacing him with one of the best freshman tight ends in the country now, as a Mack. Jerron yeah. Jones gets hurt, and you're replacing him with a stud freshman in Jerry Tillery. That's where that team was at those spots. Last year's team was not. And so that's part of this, too, is Georgia, for example – loses what two of their best pass rushers during last season correct yep. it or was it the kid that got suspended was it last year or this year that that kid got that, suspended that, that that was two not years the, ago right 2021 so Adam 2021 yep. that kid gets suspended and they don't miss a beat yeah last year nolan smith gets hurt they don't miss a beat they don't they lose jordan davison or jordan davis they don't miss a beat that's where the great programs are right they yep. can lose guys and everybody thinks ohio state's going to take this big step back because of cj stroud is gone. I heard the same things from people when Dwayne Haskins left, and I heard the same thing from people when Justin Fields left. Right? They have a track record of saying, "Yeah, he, you know, you may not know anything about this guy. And he may never done anything in college yet, but he, but Ohio State has that track record." You know, he passed the CJ Stroud through before he st- started his first game at Ohio State. Bingo! That's Zero. the number right there. Zero. Yeah. And so some programs deserve the benefit of that. How's Jordan? How's Georgia going to replace Jalen Carter? I don't know, but I'm confident they will because that's what they do, right? Yeah. Notre Dame's not there yet, Ryan, at most positions, except for one, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. 
So I think that's where, where we evaluate this. It's not just the starter. It's what's your room look like? What happens if so-and-so goes down? That's kind of the question mark, and that's kind of what we'll look at as we dive into this. So let's get into, Ryan, beginning. We're kind of do a position-by-position position thing, but we're going to put them into the categories that we currently have them. And right now we're going to start with what are the position groups of Notre Dame right now that we view as championship drivers or that we expect to be championship drivers? And I think when you look at Notre Dame right now, we'll, we'll start on offense. And, and I, I would argue, Ryan, and, and I think that you agree, and I'm curious what some of the folks in the chat think. I think there's two on offense right now that I anticipate being championship drivers. And, that's, and we're going to begin with, with running back. And, and my case for running back is you have a very talented co-starters in Audric Estime and Logan Diggs who are proven players. You're talking about two guys in their first in the rotation combined for over 1,700 yards with no pass game threat to speak of and really stepped up. I mean, when one would struggle, the other one would step up, right? Logan Diggs or Audric Estime gets suspended or not suspended, excuse me, gets benched because he fumbles the football. And so what do they do? They go out there and Logan Diggs steps up and rushes for 100 yards against UNLV in that game, right? And then there's games where you know where 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 Logan Diggs is hurt early in the year, so Chris Tyree and Audric Estime step up and they play well together. And then there was some of the big games where they both played well. They both rushed for 100 yards against Clemson. Uh, they yeah. both rushed for over 90 yards against South Carolina. And so I think when when you when you look at it, Ryan, I think those that that to me is there. You've got very talented starters. I expect their their one two punch to be one of the five best groups in the country, but you're also deep. You're yep. so deep that you can you can work with Chris Tyree kind of playing all around. You've got Jadarian Price coming back from injury. You you have him and Diggs out in practice. And what all what do we see? Four star recruit Jabron Payne steps into the into the mix, right? Who nobody talks about because of all the injuries. And what does he do? He shows that hey. That ranking was legit. Sometimes rankings aren't legit, right? It's a point I made I made earlier, right, in, in the chat where you're you're going to say like somebody made a comment. Well, half the starters on defense are still three stars. So that that means nothing to me. Are you playing like a three star? Now Cam Hart is ranked as a three star. Does anyone going to sit here and rashly argue that Cam Hart's a three star player? You could argue he may not be a top fifty caliber player. Sure, that's fair, but. He's definitely a plays like what you'd expect from a four-star. Benjamin Morrison was not a top 300 national recruit. Does anyone want to still tell me that Benjamin Morrison's not a top 300 caliber player in college football? Of course he is. So when you look at the roster and you say, boy, these, this guy proved that that ranking was in this instance correct. Jabron looked great in practice. Will he be able to stay healthy? It's a fair question. And then you got Jeremiah Love coming in. Yep. So I think when you look at Nerdim's depth chart at running back, it's deeper than it's been since Lou Holtz was the head coach. And it's got a variety of skills, very unique skill set mix, and it's productive, run and pass game. And so I think that unit, when you look at the Notre Dame running backs, and it's coached, we, that's one position we know the coaching is strong, right? And it and, and three of the last four running back coaches at Notre Dame have been very good position coaches. Tony Alford, and and obviously I thought Lance Taylor did a solid, a, a real solid job at Notre Dame, and then now uh, – Dela McCullough. So coaching, we know there is going to be strong, but the talent, Ryan, top to bottom is as good as just about anybody in the country, in, in my opinion. Well, I, I think what you said perfectly, Brian, like you have headliners, but you also have incredible depth at running back. I mean, there is a situation where if Notre Dame, if the necessity came up that Notre Dame needed Logan Dix to be the guy all year, right? And he was able to stay healthy. 
probably be a 1,200 plus yard rusher. Like he's that type of talent, right? Audrey Estime could be a guy that, if he was counted upon to be the guy on an offense, could carry the load and could be that type of dude. And then you're talking about Jabron Payne, Jadarian Price coming back, Jeremiah Love, who, not to mention, they all have varying skill sets, which are exciting, right? Like they all can fit together and bring something to your offense. Like there's going to be some situations if Jadarian Price is healthy come this fall that in a certain situation, you might want to get his speed onto the field in some different types of situations. And there's going to be other times where you're like, nope, I need a hammer. I need I need more of a I need more of an Archer guest, man. There's going to be other times where you're like, nope, I need Logan Diggs style. It's kind of a mix of everything. They like, kind of do a little bit of everything well. So the headliners are absolutely there. And w- you can withstand injuries at that position. Like for, there's some Notre Dame positions where I'm like, a lot of talent, right? But if you have one or two injuries in that room, then that it's it's a little bit of a troubling area, right? But I mean, Notre Dame's running back, it, but when Jeremiah Love gets there this fall, even if you don't count Chris Tyree at all in the running back position anymore, you're still five deep, man. Like you're still very, very deep at the position. And you have two headliners that, in my opinion, can carry an offense and can carry an offense to a victory. The Clemson game is the perfect example of that, right? You threw for, what, 80-something yards as a team in that football game? But you ran for 260 and beat a team that was ranked as the top team in the country at the time. Why did you do that? Because your offensive line and your running backs could carry you to that victory. So, yeah, I think running back is a is an easy one for me, man. That was one of the ones we were discussing earlier. It was like that was a no-brainer for me on the offensive side of the ball. Well, and, and I think what running back shows and, and, and what the current staff has done, and, and again, I, I think it's it's always fair to give credit to past coaches who played a role, and I think you have to give a lot of credit to Lance Taylor and Tommy Reese because they were drivers in putting that talent together, and and Chip Long as well because Chip Long was very instrumental in bringing in Chris Tyree. But, you know, Lance Taylor did a really good job uh, getting Andrick Estime, getting Jadarian Price. Tommy Reese did a great job getting Logan Diggs. He was the primary recruiter for Logan Diggs, not not – Lance Taylor, and then obviously Dylan McCullough has come in and brought in Jabron Payne, and and his added he'll add Jeremiah Love, and so I think it's it shows that you can go from 2019 running back was the biggest question mark on the team by far, and by 2022 it was arguably your your second greatest strength on on your offense, and and now goes into the 2023 as a unit that you expect to be a championship caliber unit. I, recruiting can and coaching combination can do that. And some of those guys, guess what? Logan Diggs was a three-star, right? Some people had Aldrick estimated as a three-star. So it just goes to show that it doesn't matter what your recruiting ranking was. It matters what you actually do when you get to college. And at running back, it's a very talented court running back room. And not one that I would trade with most people. You could say like, okay, Ohio State has as good of a one-two punch as anybody in the country when they're healthy. Right? Would we? Would you agree with that? With Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson? Yeah. Right. Uh, but my issue with Ohio State is past a, a number three with a torn ACL coming off a torn ACL and Evan Pryor, which is similar to where Notre Dame is with Jadarian Price. But they don't have Jabron Payne and Jeremiah Love at four and five with Chris Tyree at the position over there, and that's the difference. And that's what I think makes this group special is the depth is really dynamic in my opinion, and that's why running back to me. Uh, is 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 in that group? I, I don't think I, I don't think we appreciate enough how recent it was that we went into a Georgia game as fans with Tony Jones Jr. being the only running back on the roster that could right. do anything. And 
there was pretty much a defeatist attitude as far as running the football. It's come a long way in just a few years. It really has. Yeah. Number two position on this football team that we view that we anticipate being championship drivers on this football team. And, and, and it's still a work in progress to get there, but it's April. And our anticipation is we're projecting that this unit will be there. And it's kind of like, you know, people are going to question it, but it's like Georgia. Do you expect Georgia's defensive line this year, Ryan, to be a championship driver? Yes. <laughs> do you, yes. do you know who exactly is going to replace Jalen Carter just yet? It's a bunch of guys, man. A bunch right. of guys. Yeah. It'll, we, we trust that it'll happen because of the track record. And so when I, the next one for me is offensive line. When you go into the season with arguably the best tackle tandem in the country, arguably the very best left tackle in the country, and you've got talented kids battling for other spots. I mean, Andrew Gustafic may not start this year. I think he will, but he may not. That's a kid that's got eight career starts under his belt. That's yep. a kid that's got some tools, right? I know you're very high on Andrew Gustafic as well, but he's got to compete to start this year. Billy Shrouth is a big-time talent who's battling to get on the on the job. And then, of course, you have Zeke Krell at center, who I thought was a very steady player the last, I'd say, three quarters of last season. I thought Zeke struggled a little bit out of the gate. I didn't think he was very good in the first two and a half games. I thought his second half against Cal was a big reason why I thought the offense started to calm down a little bit in the second half of that game because he started playing better. That's also when Jarrett Patterson started playing better. And then I thought Zeke was steady, real steady the rest of the year, and at times was really good. Yep. And and for me, it's great to have a dominant center, but give me a guy that's steady over a guy that's dominant at times and then not at other times. I need the steady guy at, at center, and I think that's what Zeke Carell is, is he's very steady, and that's a that's a compliment, not an insult. Uh, you've got to figure out what's going to go on at guard. Joe Rudolph has to show that he can, you know, get this unit to play at a high level. I anticipate he'll get to that point, but I fully anticipate this. And there's depth. So I fully anticipate this offensive line being a championship driver. I think those are two positions that, that go well together, obviously, that then should make the Notre Dame run game a championship caliber unit. So I think that's really where you start with this football team is is right there up the middle with the Notre Dame offense. The line and the running backs are are units that I think are right now championship cal- championship drivers. Like no brainer, no debating championship drivers. Well, I mean, offensive line too, Brian is. I know there was a discussion about star rankings in the in the chat that you kind of alluded to a couple times, right? I mean. You feel good about it if you're Notre Dame replacing the two guards because you're talking about a bunch of four stars that are going to replace the, the you know the incumbents, right? It's Andrew Kostovic was a four star player, Billy Shrouth was a was a four star player, Ty Chan was a four star player, I believe Michael Carmody was a four star player. Like they're all four star football players, right? So the people that love recruiting, you have some talent to work with on the interior. Is kind of the point I'm making. On top of a good solid center, maybe better hopefully this year. You got Blake Fisher, who, who was, was a top hundred recruit as well for those yes. who obsess over stars. So, yep. yeah, and, and Blake Fisher was a borderline five star, depending on where you looked for him coming out, obviously. And he is arguably the most talented player on the offensive line. But the you know the issue for Blake is that you know he plays on the other side of probably the best left tackle in college football right now. I mean, Joe Waltz, a dude who was, by the way, a, a three star player <laughs> according to most people, right? So, Joe Joe Wall is and. and Anytime, and we talk about the foundational pieces of an offensive line too. Both tackles in the center, like those are those are pillars of an offensive line, man. They are. Whenever you have both tackles coming back and a center, you're in a really good place because no matter who the guards are, they're going to step in. Whether it's Shrouth, whether it's 
Kristoffic, whether it's Ty Chan, whether it's Michael Carmody or whoever, and whether it's Charles Jagasaw at some point next season, like whoever it is, you're going to be between experience, no matter if you're a right guard or left guard, which I think is paramount and which why I think that the offensive line is going to be in very good hands in 2023. After you get to those two positions, Ryan, uh, there's one on defense that 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 we because this first group is going to be positions that we are pounding on the table saying, yes, this is championship caliber. We'll get to a position group that we're not sure of here as we transition to the next category. But right now, I think there's another one on defense. And, and obviously, this is like every position has an asterisk on good health. But I think the cornerback position is the other one. Yeah. Now, th- this group, this position group doesn't quite have the depth that the others do. But it's good depth, just not great depth. There's a drop-off between these starters and the next group of guys, either from a talent standpoint, which is true of the veterans, or from an experience standpoint, which is true of the younger players. But I I, I mean, when, when you're talking about Chance Christian Gray trying to get up to the number three and four spot, not that long ago, Christian Gray steps on campus and he's immediately thrust into the number three role. But it comes down to the starters. And, and that is Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart. And if you go back and watch, Ryan, I'd say I'm going to argue the last, really the last four games of the regular season prior to USC when Cam got hurt. So I'm kind of looking at like Syracuse. You could even, you could even really say, uh, you could even really go to BYU, Ryan, and and even make the, or excuse me, UNLV and, and make the case there because UNLV didn't do a whole lot in the past game either, but they're just not, they just weren't good. Throwing the football, so it's hard to really go there. But I will really argue the case from Syracuse to Boston College. If that unit would have been what we saw all season at cornerback, that's an elite cornerback group. And I think that what why? Well, Benjamin Morrison finally. I mean, he he'd kind of taken over the starting job around what week four or five, and he was playing well. But it really came down to I thought Benjamin played well almost all year. He had a couple early miscues against Syracuse, but then the second half was outstanding in the second half against Syracuse. That was sort of his wake-up moment when the first time he really got beat was that Aronde Gadsden touchdown in the first half against Syracuse. And that kind of was like, okay, y'all, y'all want to come at me. And I got he got a penalty on him. That's kind of was the final straw for him. But I thought the big thing was Cam Hart really raised his game to a high level. And if you break down the film of Cam Hart, his last five, six games of the year, really post-North Carolina – he was brilliant. I mean, he was just outstanding. Now, he he won't get the credit because people are going to continue to hold on to the Ohio State-North Carolina games. Understandably so. It's not a criticism. He's got to play better than he did against Ohio State. But if you go back and look at Cam, those that last stretch of the season, Ryan, he was really, really, really good. And that one-two punch, in my opinion, as long as they're all healthy, is going to be as good as anybody in the country. Well, and I, I think it gives you a really good baseline because if they are what they were at their peak in 2022, you know, injuries aside for a second, like if Cam Hart is just as good as you talked about in like that four game stretch or Benjamin Morrison was just as good as he was the second half of the season or the you know last three quarters of the season, you look at it and say like that is going to be really good room, like just off of that, right? But the crazy part is, in my opinion, is that we haven't seen the best of Benjamin Morrison yet. He was a true freshman last year. Like we haven't seen nearly the best of what he's going to do at Notre Dame. Cam Hart is a guy that I would I would still say has a lot of development that could still be had as a football player and is already a good football player. Like he could be considerably better. And then after that, Brian, I mean, you're still talking about 
Christian Gray, Thomas Harper, Ryan Barnes, Clarence Lewis, Jaden Mickey. Like, it is a embarrassment of riches, man. Like, it really is. Like, yeah, if one of those guys gets hurt, does it take a big step backward from a talent perspective? Sure. It takes a step back. There's no doubt about that. But the part of the matter is – the fact of the matter is is that there's still quality depth behind two yes. potential superstars, I mean, at the college level. Like, I think that they have – Benjamin Morrison, I said, has clear superstar potential in college. I still think Cam Hart does. It's just about putting it together and being able to stay healthy and stay consistent. If he does, man, I think he could be a very good corner in 2023. Regardless, though, that's a potential that's, elite That's pairing. what we saw from him in the final stretch, and that's my point. If you go back and look at Benjamin – so first of all, you know, Cam Hart last year, according to Pro Football Focus, gave up 22 completions all season. And looking at the numbers, I think uh, – I would I would I would kind of give him credit for one more that they that PFF did not give him credit for. Uh, they did not give him credit for the reception late in the game against North Carolina, the long touchdown. I do because it was his blown coverage. So I would say twenty three. But when you look at the numbers last year, he gave up twenty two receptions for two hundred and forty yards. If you add the the play that I that I would give him, I think it's what like twenty three for around three hundred. For context purposes. The year that Julian Love was a consensus All-American, he gave up 42 catches for 413 yards. He gave up 53.2% completion percentage. Cam gave up 50% completion percentage. And so those are the things you just look at, right? And you say, boy, that guy, that guy put up really good numbers. Here's the difference. Cam doesn't make a lot of plays on the ball. Yeah. And that's where he's got to improve, right? Where Julian made a lot of plays in the ball. What Cam does and why he's, I believe, undervalued is he covers in a way that teams just avoid him. They just don't throw at him. And and that's something that I think is is it's kind of what hurt Troy Pride in 2019. Troy Pride was a lot better on film than a lot of Notre Dame fans gave him credit for. How do I say that? Because, well, but he got beat this play or that play. But teams just avoided him. He didn't have the numbers that Julian Love had because teams wouldn't throw. Teams were not afraid to throw at Julian Love often was a mistake to do so, but Julian Love didn't inspire that fear from other teams. Troy Pride did in 2019. Teams would just not throw at him. Yeah. And Cam Hart did that last year. Why do you think people kept throwing at Benjamin Morrison? Because they don't want to throw out the 6'3", 32-inch arm guy on the right. other side of the field. Right, who runs yeah. a 4-4. Right, who was making a ton of plays. And and so that's really what it came down to for me, and that's why I, I believe this group is going to be really good. Because, look – if Notre Dame had to, at some point in time next year, because of injury, had to put Jaden Mickey and Christian Gray in a corner, it's not going to be as good. But I'm like, I can still win a lot of football games like that. Yes. You know, with Micah Bell coming off the bench and Chance Tucker and Ryan Barnes and, you know, Clarence Lewis is, is, was a starting cornerback on a playoff team, right? Let, I want to remind you of that. Clarence Lewis, who's right now Notre Dame's third corner, maybe was a starter on their 2020 playoff team at corner. Yep. So you're, you're in a pretty good place. You're in a pretty yes. good place there at corner. There's no doubt about it. Now, these guys got to build on the production they had and continue to improve and evolve, but that's true for everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done. Those are the three positions, Ryan, that you and I right now say are championship caliber units. I think three is at the bottom of where you need to be as a program to be a true championship competitor. I think last year Georgia was unique because I, I think you you and I felt that Georgia had three for sure, O-line, D-line, tight end. But there are several others that are debatable. I think Spencer Spence, uh, Stetson Bennett is debatable because I think he was a little overrated at times, but he was money. When you needed him to step up and make plays, he would. I think that you could maybe make a case for the secondary as a whole, even though I don't necessarily – I wouldn't go there – the, the point is there's a lot of those groups that we don't view as on that level that are like right below the cusp of, of where that needs to be. And in a position like receiver is not in the disp- discussion to be an elite driver, but it was clutch. It did what it needed to do to complement those other positions. I don't think the running back room was elite, but they did what they needed to do to go out there and win football games in a committee by committee approach. Yep. So where Notre Dame is, they need at least one more position group to become, in my opinion, that level. But what they also need to do is in this next category is get a lot of the position groups to climb climb higher and higher and higher in the next group and then get more and get everyone else out of the third group. So there's one position group, Ryan, as we kind of move into the next category, which is position groups that we view are good enough to be key pieces of a championship football team. They're not the drivers. You're not going to necessarily win because of them over the course of a season. Now, keep in mind, when we say not winning because of them, it doesn't mean that that unit may not step up in a game. It's just because like I felt like the Georgia receivers stepped up big against LSU and TCU. I think that they did. They, they were key parts of that game, but we're more referring to just what you're going to put a team on your back and you are that group all season. One that is up for debate right now, that you and I, that you and I both kind of had a maybe on, and and I think it's I think we both have a still a bit of a wait and see approach, but there's potential there, and this is the big one. This is arguably to determine if Notre Dame's a good top ten team or a playoff team that can compete for a championship. That's quarterback. Yeah, because when you look at Sam Hartman, you're talking about a guy that that right now returning in college football is one of the five best quarterbacks in college football returning. Now there's question marks. Ryan, is he going to be able to produce at Notre Dame? the way he did at Notre Dame. Can he avoid some of the the sacks that he took and the mistakes that he made at Wake Forest at Notre Dame? Or is that just kind of who he is? You know, can he avoid those three, four turnover games that he would have a couple times? I mean, there's question marks, but I would argue there's question marks about most quarterbacks coming back in that regard outside of Caleb Williams. But the reality is, Ryan, what he did, what he did last year that really impressed me is he went out there and despite dealing with, health issues remember he missed the first game missed part of fall camp because of a I believe a blood clot issue last season he still went out there last season and 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 played really good football and in a lot of instances I felt outdueled his bigger named counterparts in certain games I thought that he outdueled in my opinion I thought he outdueled Jordan Travis in their matchup uh, I thought that he went toe to toe with with uh Drake May and their battle, Drake May's team won, won it at the end. Uh, Sam threw a, put up very good numbers as well. Didn't get as much help from his teammates. I thought he went toe-to-toe there. Uh, I think he played great in the Clemson game. I mean, he's the reason that they had a shot to win that game. You know, 20 of 29 for 337 yards and six touchdowns, I would say, is a 
pretty good, pretty good day work, right? Right, Ryan? Would you would you would you agree with that? It's okay. Um, Pass yeah, it. It's, it's it's not that bad, right? Not that bad yeah. at all. So you know, I, I look at him and I say, this is a guy that I felt did what he needed to do, and his team didn't always step up to the plate. Well, that's not going to be an issue this year. And I think you go back to 2021, Ryan, and it's the same the same story. I mean, he. He had some great games against North Carolina and Sam Howell. Sam Howell had some big games in those moments as well. He seems to be a guy that loves the moment where the spotlight is big. That's what he was at, at, at Wake Forest. Can he do that in Notre Dame where the spotlight's always going to be brighter than what it ever was on its brightest day at Wake Forest? We're going to find out. But it's not just him. It's the talent of Tyler Buckner. It's the fact that you now have a Kenny Minchie. I think Notre Dame now has a room that we can at least have a conversation about. Is this a championship caliber room? The yeah. reason I'm not ready to go there just yet, Ryan, is because of the fact that we haven't seen Sam, seen Sam Hartman do what we need him to do in a Notre Dame uniform. We have to see how he fits into the offense. We have to see how the team the team plays for him and all those type of things we still need to see. But it's at least one that I'm willing to say is in that second category of key part but at the top of that category. I'm not ready to put it into the top level yet. I'm not. I need to see more, but it, there's no doubt with the way that Tyler Buckner played in the bowl game, the talent that we know that he has, he's now your number two, and you've got Sam Hartman, you've got Kenny Minchie. The quarterback room to me is now the leading group in that next level conversation. Yeah, I think when we were texting about this earlier, I'm pretty sure I put quarterback and then I put in parentheses like probably or possibly. You said maybe. maybe. Right, because yeah. we have the same reservations. Like, it's talented, yeah. but there's always exactly. that but. I need to yeah. see it. I mean, 100%. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you're excited on paper, but you haven't seen it tangibly on a football field other than a practice field yet, right? Like, you haven't seen what Sam Hartman looks like in a Notre Dame uniform. I mean, if he – if he put up similar numbers to what he did last year at Wake Forest at Notre Dame and he was coming back, then we're having a completely different conversations, right? Because that's a known commodity at that point. It's just not 100% known. You feel great about it. You feel very optimistic about it. But until it happens on a Saturday, it's still a question mark. The great thing, to your point, Brian, is the last time that we saw Tyler Buckner, he was beating an SEC team in, in a bowl game and scoring five touchdowns. Like, that's pretty nice, right. too, right? Let's say, and making some big-time plays, right? Big-time big plays. And in a ad, adverse situation, you know, like in a situation where he had missed a large portion of the, of the season with an injury and was coming back for a bowl game, and he showed that there's a lot of talent there. They fell behind 21-7. He throws a couple. He throws a pick-six early. There was every reason in the world for him to give up and that team to give up, and they didn't. For all the people who say, well, is the, t- you know, is the team play for, Drew, for Tyler Buckner like they did for Drew Pine, that bowl yep. game should have answered any questions you have about that. I think so. Yeah, you know, I really you know, do. Go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say I really do. I was just agreeing with you. Here's something else that gives me a little bit more comfort because Jack Cohn is the reason I have more faith in, in Sam Hartman. And, and what I mean by that is we saw how Jack Cohn, who I don't think has the physical tools that Sam Hartman has, he's got bigger size and all that, but he brings a lot of the other, you know, character, leadership, mental yeah. toughness, and all the things that we think Sam Hartman brings to the table. Jack was able to kind of come into a situation and 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 thrive, in my opinion, and including in some certain certain situations where maybe he wasn't playing all that well, but was able to rally back. And he gets benched against Virginia Tech, comes off the bench when Tyler gets hurt, and leads the team back to victory. You know, has the big plays at the end of the Toledo game, leads them to a victory in overtime against Florida State when he had he was the reason they were up big in that game, and then the defense kind of blows it. And you know, I, I really felt like like Jack. Jack's success 
is is gives me optimism that Sam Hartman's going to make a smooth transition because Jack was making a much bigger adaptation to the offense than what Sam Hartman is doing. Right. Jack was a primarily under center quarterback at, at Wisconsin. Now he did some shotgun stuff, but he was primarily an under center quarterback. When you look at at what Sam was, Sam was a primarily shotgun quarterback that's got to learn how to occasionally get under center, which is something he'll need to learn. But it's more about there's just some alterations that he needs to make from a a sort of a footwork standpoint. But he he's used to being under center. Yep. And and oh, or me, excuse me, being in the shotgun. And so I think that if Jack can make the 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 transition that he did. There's no reason for me to doubt that Sam Hartman can, We, but we still need to see it. So I'm not confident enough in that co- correlation to say, let's go ahead and put him in the championship category. I still need to see it. But taking the anal- analyzer hat off, the analyst hat off that we're doing of the show and just kind of putting a little bit of a a fan hat on or sort of a, you know, a, a, a coach standpoint kind of thing where the reason I'm optimistic about it is because of what we saw with Jack Cohn. Because we have seen a transfer quarterback come here and be successful that didn't even have Sam's tools or even Sam's experience. I mean, Jack Cohn was a starter for one year at Wisconsin. That was it. Yep. Sam Hartman's been a basically a three and a half year starter at Wake Forest. And so that's something that also gives me pause. But I'm very optimistic that this group is going to be that in that conversation, Ryan. Whereas last year it was if Tyler gets hurt. In trouble, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Thing, what do we say? Drew can win you a lot of games, he can get you to 10 and 2, right? And I mean, basically, they went 8 and 2 with Drew Pine at quarterback, yep. okay? So, but what he's not going to do is win you the big games, and, and he didn't, right? I mean, they didn't beat Clemson because of Drew Pine, he threw for what 86 yards in that game, yep. It, they won because the defense played phenomenal and because the running game could not be stopped. Drew's a great kid, great leader and all that, but there's a there's a different animal than to what they're doing now. And so that's another big reason that I have great expectations for the quarterback room and just this offense in general because they were able to do what they did in the second half of last year, Ryan, where if you go if you go back and look at Notre Dame as a team, they averaged over 40 points per game for about a five-game stretch last year as a team. You know, because you talk about they scored 44 against Jonah V, 41 against Syracuse, 35 against Clemson, 35 against Navy, 44 against Boston College, and then 27 against USC. So in the final six games of the regular season, as a team, Notre Dame averaged 37.7 points per game. Now, I say as a team because, as we know, there's a lot of games in that stretch where the defense helped them out. They had a pick six against Clemson or Syracuse. They had a pick six against Clemson. Another interception that gave them a very short field. They had, uh, you know, uh, that other times were special teams or club. They also had a pump block for a touchdown against against um, uh, Clemson. They had a pump block that gave them pos- field position inside the five at, against Syracuse, right? So it was a team thing. The point is, is imagine what this team could average if they actually had a potent offense with what they can do on defense and special teams. And that's where my excitement is because they were able to do that with the type of quarterback play that we saw from this team the second half during that same stretch yeah and that's where a lot I mean you, you want to know why I'm optimistic about this team and why I'm fired up about this team it's that right there Ryan it, it, it's the fact that you did all that during that stretch they had passing yards games of 116 85 156 and 205 right you know and still did what we just talked about 
So that's what, what gets well, me fired up. I, I would also say this, Brian, like if we think back to preparation for the bowl game before, you know, everything, as soon as Drew Pine left, as soon as he decided to transfer, we were sitting there saying, we know Tyler Buckner is practicing with the team, but is he going to be able to play? Like we had no idea at that point of how available he was going to be for that game. We were, I remember we had a conversation of like, Steve Angeli going to be the starting quarterback and Ron Paulus, the backup quarterback during the bowl game. Like that's what it seemed like for a second, right? Before we knew hundred percent that Tyler was going to be able to play and to be able to play as much as he did, obviously just a year removed or months removed from that, man, we're talking about Steve Angeli fighting for the number three quarterback spot right now against Kenny Minchie, who was another very talented quarterback that came in. I mean, it's a completely different world that we're living the in. Game I have a quarterback probably position. Probably not going to start. Right? Exactly. I mean, like, yeah. And I think the other thing that has me optimistic is, and again, I might be drinking the Kool-Aid early on this one, but I really like all the stuff that I'm hearing about the quarterback development this spring under Gino Gadouli. I'm mm-hmm. really excited about that. You're man. talking I to th- recruits and hearing stuff from recruits, Ryan, and it's been some yes. very fascinating stuff. I mean, we're here. We're bringing it up. Go ahead and kind of mention some of the things that you've that you've heard from different guys that have been on campus. Yeah, I mean, so I, I put an update on the board last night on Deuce Knight, who's a star 2025 quarterback out of Loosedale, Mississippi. And I had a deep conversation, and I put on the board last night, and then there was also a, a article, obviously, this morning on irishbreakdown.com, where he talked so much about how just even keel and energetic that Coach Caduli is with that coaching staff, with the quarterback room. And there's pressure there, you know, on the players to perform their best, but it's very much a attentive room in the sense of like, Hey man, you did this wrong. Let's fix that. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. let's fix that. Let's, let's just dive into this and focus on what the issue is there. And I feel like, and this is no shot at Tommy Reese. It really isn't at all. Cause I think it's very difficult being an offensive coordinator and also being a quarterback coach all in one. I think that's a very difficult task. You cannot fully put all your attention on the quarterback position, all the time. You can't do it because you have so many different moving parts. And Coach Caduli has laser focus on that quarterback. And right if you're going to jump on other position groups but not on your own players, it can create problems. So that's why you need to be even harder on your position group than you do the other position groups. That's the other another dynamic to it. So I, I think the thing that I liked is, is, is you can be – and this is something I wish I would have learned a lot earlier as a coach, to be completely honest with you. You can be – demanding and set a very high bar without being aggressive as a yeah. coach, meaning, you know, a yeller and, and that using fear. I wish that's something I would have learned earlier as a coach, to be completely honest with you. And, and that's what we're hearing about. It's like, look, he's not out there just palling around with guys. The expectations are high. Yes. But it's more about, okay, we're here to teach and coach. I'm not here to scream at you. Again, not a shot on anybody else. It's just that style I think works. I think it works with Tyler Buckner. I think it works with Sam, where Sam Hartman is. Sam Hartman doesn't need some dude yelling at him, right? There may be other years where, man, I wish they had a guy that would kick him in the butt a little bit. So, yeah. that, again, I'm not trying to take shots at anybody. It's just this is what I think is going to work for this room and where I think this room is now mentally. It's about, okay, the town is there. Now it's about getting their mentally locked in to be able to do what they need to do at a high level. And that's very, very optimistic. Some of the returns I've heard from sources within the program, the quarterbacks have really taken to coach Caduli well, uh, which is always a concern when you have a position coach leave. 
especially the position coach that recruited most of the kids in the room. I mean, really all the kids in the room is how are they going to adapt to the new coach? And so far, so good in that regard, Ryan, which is a very important piece to this conversation. No doubt. For me, Ryan, right now, there's only other one position group that I personally would put in sort of the key driver part, and and that's tight end. And you and I talked a little bit about this beforehand, and I understand where you're coming from completely. I do. It's just for me, the combination of talent, the fact that the OC is the tight ends coach <laughs> and track record is why I'm just not worried. It's kind of like what we said earlier with Ohio State and quarterbacks. I don't know who the quarterback is going to be. I think it's Kyle McCord, but I don't care who it's going to be. That guy's probably going to be pretty productive because it's just the nature of that place. That's sure. how I feel about tight end. Yes, there's some injuries and guys got to come back, but I anticipate guys coming back. They'll get Cooper Flanagan in the fall. You know, guys are going to be healthy, and the one-two punch they have right now is pretty good. Davis Sherwood has showed last year he can play a role. We've seen him in practice. He can, if you need to throw him a couple slides or, or plays on third and two, he can go make those plays. I'm just not worried about tight end, to be completely honest with you. Uh, and the track record is what it is, and we've seen we've seen Mitchell Evans make one start as the number one tight end, and you know what? He played pretty flipping good in that game. So tight end is one where I don't think it's going to be an elite you're winning because of the tight end position, but I do believe it right now is a a group where you say that's going to be a key ingredient to a championship team, pass game-wise, run game-wise. So I, I'm comfortable putting them in that category, even though there's not the proven production. I think Notre Dame's track record there and the talent that we believe is on the roster puts the tight end in the position that we, we talk about with the Georgia D-line or the Ohio State quarterback room. That That's why I'm comfortable putting them there. Ryan. Yeah. And it's, and it's fair. Cause I think that they have the upside to be that type of group room. It's just, I, I, I just, am a little, I guess I'm just a little bit, I, I want to, I'm anticipating what that room's going to look like. And I just think there's a little bit of uncertainty, which just has me a little bit of an in-between mode on it. Because I mean, I agree. I think that Mitchell Evans could be a very good starter for Notre Dame. I do. I mean, if he just does what he did in the bowl game for a 12, 13 game stretch. You're talking about a guy that's going to catch, you know, 30 something, 40 passes and be a good tight end in that, in that offense. Right. And I think that Holden Stace, I mean, we talked, I, I think I predicted Holden Stace like two weeks ago to be a breakout star for Notre Dame this spring, right. It would be like that type of guy. So I think that that could be a really good one to punch. It's just, there's just not the depth right now due to injuries. Like if Eli Raritan was in that room, I wouldn't even hesitate with it. I'd be like, that's three very talented tight ends. You're good. If one goes down, you can figure it out type of situation, right? But without Eli, with Bauman still out, obviously with injury, with the transfer of Kane Barong this offseason, it's just a very light room right now, which is just kind of my biggest hesitation. I get that. And then I also just want to see it on a more exclusive basis. I mean, the returning players that we're so high on, and I'm very high on Kane Barong, and I think Mitchell Evans is going to be a very good player as well, but they combined for four catches for 49 yards last year, right? I mean, that's kind of just sure. a little bit I, of the in-between I, I'm in. I, I get that. I get that. It's But again, I just point to the fact that it's the, the track record. If they didn't have that track record, Ryan, I'd be right there with you. And there's other positions, receiver, for example, where there's a lot more proven commodities but we're not going to put them there yet because of the track record. The track record is not where it needs to be. And so uh, I think your points are all fair, very fair. 
It's just for me, I just, it's one of those positions where it's kind of like, I'm not worried about that position. It's going to be fine. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Because I'm not worried about it being have, like a Because detriment. you have three scholarship yeah. players at tight end right now because David Sherwood's on scholarship. And so he was recruited to be a guy that would eventually get a scholarship. It's kind of like Luke Talich kind of yeah. guy coming in. So you have three guys on scholarship who have all played last year. Now you get Cooper Flanagan showing up. Eli eventually will get back to good health. It's just not a position group that I'm that I'm concerned about at this point in yeah. time. So um, that's where that that group is to me. happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust the mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing american families time is short before something big happens and that's why so many folks are preparing they're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from my patriot supply go to mypatriotsupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com